Welcome to the Bridge to God's Word podcast with Carla Unseth, a linguistic consultant for missionaries working in Bible translation. We invite you to visit us at www.bridgetogodsword.org to learn more about Carla's ministry. Now, here's linguistic consultant Carla Unseth. Hi, this is Carla Unseth with Building a Bridge to God's Word. And thank you so much for joining us today. It is our final episode on the book of Titus. We've been looking through the book of Titus and thinking about translation principles. So I've really enjoyed sharing with you these different translation principles and then finding those things in the text and sharing how we as translators work through those translation issues as we draft a text. So I hope you have been enjoying it as well. And today we are going to look at the last section of Titus, which is Titus 3, verses 9 through 15. So for today's translation principle, I actually wanted to give you the very foundation of all that we do, and that is prayer. So the truth is that we could have all the methods and all the tools in the book, but without prayer, all our work would really be for nothing. If we want our work to impact the people that we're working with, we really need it to be covered in prayer. We need God to be directing this. We need the Holy Spirit to be working through us. So that means that while we're preparing to draft, we need to pray over the work that we're doing. And while we're actually drafting, we continue to pray over the work that we're doing. And then that continues through every stage of the translation. Every revision that we do, we pray over. Every check that we do, we are praying. So prayer is really the foundation of what we do. And actually, at Pioneer Bible Translators, we say prayer is our strategy. It's not something that's just a side note to what we do. It is the very strategy for the work that we do. So let's pray together as we read Titus 3, 9 through 15. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you have given us to know you. And even though we aren't doing a real translation on this podcast, I still pray that these words will impact me and impact those listening to this podcast, and that through what we, were, what we are learning, we will know your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's read Titus 3, 9 through 15. This is the English Standard Version. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, and see that they lack nothing. And let our people devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need, and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So the very first thing that we see as we look at this text is that this is actually two mini-sections. The first describes some of the behaviors and the people that Titus should avoid. And the second is the final instructions and greeting. 
So this section is really quite a contrast from the previous section. If you listen to the last podcast, that section of Titus has this mini gospel where Paul really lays out um, the beauty of salvation and how God saved us. And so we ended with that glory of the gospel, and it was so amazing. And here we go back to some warnings. So a little sad to go back from the gospel to these warnings, but now we know why it's so important to follow the truth and to make sure that our people in our churches are following the truth. So let's look at verses 9 through 11. That's this first section. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. So I think in order to translate this section well, it is really important that we understand the background and that background is that within these churches, there were people who wanted to follow the Jewish law and who felt like even for Christians, it was really important to continue to follow the Jewish law. And they got into these finer points of the law and they enjoyed discussions and arguing over the law. And then even going back into genealogy, saying who descended from who in the Old Testament Who are your ancestors? Who had the best lineage? And it became this kind of source of of controversy where people were arguing about how best to follow the law and arguing about who was the best based on their genealogy. So that is what Paul is addressing here. And so he first gives four things to avoid. So when we're translating Here's four words which are a little similar and a little different that we have to figure out how to translate. So they're controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. So all have to do with arguments and all have a religious meaning, but they are different things. So we really do want a list that would probably cover all four. So you have foolish controversies, so arguments that divide people, but they really aren't worth the time they're putting into it. I mean, this isn't serious theology. This is getting into little ridiculous points of theology. So here's the genealogies where they're getting into saying who descended from whom, who is most important within the line of Jews, of Jewish history, you know, who had the right ancestors. So dissensions, another word for arguments, this is probably the most general word on the list. Basically, people were arguing with each other. And then quarrels about the law. And so here, of course, we've got arguments, but specifically about the law, going back to that Jewish heritage and arguing about the law of Moses and and how to apply it. So one commentary says that the reason Paul gives this instruction to Titus was that, quote, Titus was not to wade into this situation as another debater, end quote. That's the New International Commentary on the New Testament. So it might have seemed to Titus like the way to solve these problems was actually to go in and address the situation. But I like what this commentary says. He's not to wade into it. He actually just should avoid these debates altogether. And Paul gives the reason. They are unprofitable and worthless. So as far as the translation goes, those words are pretty straightforward. These types of debates add nothing to a person's faith. They are worthless. They are not worth anything. So next, Paul addresses the types of people who get into these debates. 
They are people who stir up division. They're creating division rather than creating unity in the church. So again, they are not arguing true points of theology that are going to, in the end, unite the church, bring people together as Christians. And instead, they're kind of creating false divisions within the church by these arguments. So Paul says, warn him once and then twice and then have nothing more to do with him. So as a translator, you're going to want to think especially about the phrase, have nothing more to do with him. That's pretty strong language, so we've got to make sure that we understand that before we translate it. So it's actually one word in Greek, and a little bit like if you said excommunicate him, but it's a little bit vague in Greek. It could be very strong. In some passages in the Bible, it is strong, like excommunication. But in other passages, it's a lot less strong, more like just warn somebody or, or ask somebody to stop doing something. So when you're translating, you might have to make a decision about how strong you want this word to be. And I think the general understanding of commentators is that Paul is being pretty strong here. He's talking about this person being excluded from the church. But we also know, and this is where you can take in other things that we know from other places in the Bible, we also know that Paul often talks about making a way for reconciliation. If the person repents and changes, they can be reconciled to the church. So, of course, you can't add that all into the text. You can't say, if this person doesn't change, have nothing more to do with him. But if he does change, then you can welcome him back and there is reconciliation. You can't add all that into the text. But it can inform your word choice. In English, we probably don't want to use the word excommunicate because that's so strong and may imply to people that this person could never be forgiven. So that's probably why the translators have chosen have nothing more to do with him. Uh, still very strong, but not quite as strong as excommunicated. Okay, so the next phrase describing this person gives a greater understanding of why they must be separated from the church. It says they are warped and sinful and self-condemned. So warped is translating the Greek word for perverted. And I think the English translators chose not to use perverted because a lot of times in English that has like kind of a sexual connotation, sexual perversion. And that's not what they mean here. What instead they mean is someone who has wrong behavior in general. They're not doing what's right. They're not doing what's acceptable. So that is why they chose the word warped. It also says this person is self-condemned. So it might seem unfair to exclude someone from the Christian community. Again, we said Paul does talk about reconciliation in other places, but it is hard for us to say anybody should be like excluded at all. But here Paul is saying they have brought this on themselves. They were warned. Timothy was to warn them at least two times. And so after those warnings, they are continuing to live in sin. They're basically saying, no, I'm not going to change. So it's their own behavior which is condemning them to this punishment. So that's what self-condemned means. And again, as you're choosing words when you draft, you want to choose a word that shows that they have brought this punishment on themselves. So it's at this point that Paul ends his instruction and turns to his final greetings. I think sometimes Paul seems a little abrupt. Again, it's, it's, we had this 
marvelous little gospel, and now we have some dire warnings, and then Paul's just done. So I don't know why Paul did that, but again, that's just how he wrote, and when we translate, we translate faithfully, so we have to translate the way he wrote it. So verses 12 through 15 give us some final greetings and instructions. They say, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. When it comes to translation, final instructions like this generally don't have a lot of issues. They're pretty straightforward. But of course, there are always a few things. Actually, when I did draft this with my translators, we got to this section and it was near the end of the day. And one of the guys said, oh, we don't need to look through this section. It's easy. And it was like, well, we do have a few issues we need to look at. So even in sections that are pretty easy, we do need to make sure that we're translating faithfully. So there's a few things like the word winter. My translation team is in West Africa. They don't have the same seasons as we do. So you can't just say the word winter. So you have to think about what Paul means. And in this passage, this time, this season of the year, it was too cold to travel by ship. And so Paul had to give up his traveling for this season and spend some time. And apparently he's chosen to spend time in the city called Nicopolis. So you would have to choose a season or whatever seasonal word where people would understand that travel would be hard and possibly impossible because of, um, because of the winter season. So Paul is waiting out that season. So another small issue is the word lawyer. We've got this guy called Zenus the lawyer. And as Americans, we have an immediate reference for a lawyer. We all know what a lawyer is. But again, there are places in the world that they don't have that. So in this translation that I was working on, we were trying to get the word for lawyer right and an understanding of who a lawyer was. And we ended up with a huge long phrase like, Zenus, who is the man who studied and applied the Jewish law? And after a while, we were looking at that and realizing, you know, all of a sudden, lawyer is becoming the most important thing in this passage. And it's really not supposed to be. It's kind of just an aside, Zenus, the lawyer. So we needed to cut it down, even though if that meant people wouldn't totally understand what he did, that actually isn't that important. So we ended up saying just something like, Zenus, who knows the law. So those are some small issues that can come up when you are translating these kind of final instructions, people's names, uh, where they come from, all that kind of thing. So the passage ends by giving a final exhortation to the church to devote themselves to good works. So then Paul sends the greetings of those with him to those in the church. And then he concludes by saying, grace be with you all. And this grace extends to us as well. Isn't that cool? As we read the words of Paul, this letter was written to be read to the church. And here we are thousands of years later as the church reading the words of Paul. And we also are encouraged and strengthened in our faith. We receive this grace from Paul. So what a joy to be included in this final greeting and to know that God's words through Paul are for us today as well. 
So I hope that you've enjoyed this final look at the book of Titus. That is all that we have in the book of Titus. And I hope that you have learned a little bit about the types of questions that we ask when we're drafting a passage. And I hope that you will join us again next time for this podcast. I don't have a particular theme chosen yet, so we'll have to see what happens next month. But if you have something that you would like to know about, about the Bible or about Bible translation, please let me know and I would be happy to discuss it on the podcast. So please join us again next time for Building a Bridge to God's Word.